With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of A Pod of Two Halves. It is a thousand degrees here. My name is Michael, and I'm a mess. I'm a hot mess, a sweaty mess. It is the hottest day, not the hottest day of the year, but, but fuck me, it's hot. I'm here with Lee, who is also a sweaty mess next to me. How's your back, mate? <laughs> your back can never be too big or sweaty. Um, yeah, mate, uh, I'm sweating. I'm like your twin, mate. I feel like this is going to be a, a roast-off between the two of us here. Just for clarification, I'm, I'm, we're both sat here in, in just shorts each. Um, on the Skype, I'm looking at the, the, the computer, which will melt in this heat. I'll have to buy a new one next week. I'm looking at the Skype, and I can see woods there. A, a quite shiny-looking woods. Yeah. <laughs> in a rather fetching vest, shows, mm. showing off his muscles. Woods, how are you doing in the heat, buddy? Um, how was your weekend? How was your weekend? You know what? My weekend has been pretty bloody good. Um, would you like me to break it down for you? Go ahead. Okay, I'll break it down for you. Saturday lunchtime. Chelsea won an actual football match. Wonderful. Uh, Saturday evening, Arsenal uh, with David Luiz at the centre of a disaster class. Uh, Saturday night, saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Good movie, worth going to see. Um, Saturday, went to Secret Cinema, came out, found out England somehow managed to win the Test match and Tottenham lost at home against Newcastle. I've had a fucking blinder, mate. Absolute blinder. Right, this, this sounds all right. Um, I'm not going to lie to you, right? This will be a fairly short episode, shorter than the usual four-hour marathons that we usually record. I'm going to start off with Spurs. You mentioned them there, Woods. That is the first topic of the day. Spurs entertained uh, a Newcastle team uh, bereft of confidence by their fans in their team and their tactics. Um, You know, having lost Rondon, the the glorious Rondon, we know that I, I love Rondon, having Alma on there, obviously losing Perez as well. Safe to say, not many people expected Newcastle to turn up to one of the best stadiums in Europe, as Steve Bruce put it, and in his words, turn Spurs over. That's not quite. It's not quite what happened, but we'll go with it. Woods, (laughs) what happened to Spurs here? What what happened? What's going on with the start to their season? Because they've now won one, drawn one and lost one, correct? Uh, 
Yes, so obviously the game they won was against Villa, uh, where they weren't impressive for the vast majority of the game and got bailed out by Harry Kane. Uh, they were pretty well. They were by far the second best against Man City the week before, um, where they somehow managed to get a draw uh, with the two opportunities they'd taken, but should have probably lost the game by five, um, and then continued their awful vein of form into this weekend in a in a game where I imagine there are hundreds of thousands of fantasy football managers that have <laughs> triple captained uh, Harry Kane to go bang a load of goals against Newcastle who looked truly dreadful against Norwich the weekend before shipping three goals to to the wonderful Pookie um, but like you say they got mugged um, on their own ground um, they just don't look right they just do not look right at all at the moment. And, and statistically at this moment as well with Tottenham, this isn't a new thing for them. This is a trend that's carrying over from last season uh, where I think that at this moment, Pochettino's only won four of his last 15 and only one away from home since January. It's an absolutely dreadful run of form. That sounds like an, uh, bit, you know, the heir to the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer throne of bad bad results. It's gone under the radar, hasn't it, a bit? You know, people talking about Pochettino, this world-class manager, and don't get me wrong, he is a very good manager, but Oli Solskjaer's had probably a similar run of form, and he's obviously like big question marks against him, but at the same time, there's this guy at Tottenham that's been lauded and praised, and it's just not happening at the moment. Um, Their summer looked fine. I thought that they did okay with uh, getting Lacelso and and Dumbele. I thought two really nice players, but uh, they've got holes at fullback, which needs uh, filling. I think that that's one of their biggest problems is their lack of quality in those positions. And that carries over from last season. Um, and then they've still got this kind of headache with Ericsson that's going to last until the start of September. Will he stay? Will he go? Pochettino doesn't know. Um, and there's this weird thing as well going on with, with Jan Vertonghen, who... Uh, was their best defender last season and it seems that he's fallen massively out of favour somehow. I don't know if he's fallen out with uh, Pochettino personally or what, but the, the goal on on Sunday was just awful, awful. Uh, both centre-halves got sucked into the to the right-hand side of the field. Joel Linton was given then the space of the entire Spurs penalty area while Danny Rose reacted like minutes too late to the, the, to the situation, slotted away nicely. Um, yeah, overall... This is meant to be the third best team in the league that's meant to be getting closer to, to Liverpool this year. And having watched both teams this weekend, uh, one of them is a legitimately fantastic football club. The other one's got plenty of question marks uh, hanging over them. And it's, it's, it's a bit of a concern because I don't think that they're as far away from the other three as many of the media and pundits have made them out to be. I think that their level may well be about where they finished last season, which is in and about United, Arsenal and Chelsea. I don't know what your thoughts are on it. Um, no, it's not hard not to disagree with you, Woods, to be honest. Um, for, for me, watching them collectively as a team um, against Newcastle, the issue appeared, there just weren't, there was, there was no energy in the team, there's no chasing down. Something you kind of, is synonymous with a Pochettino side is, mm. is the, the work ethic and, and the closing down. Uh, it, it just wasn't there. Um, and if, you know, a home game against Newcastle was quite ideal. Uh, you know, especially with, as you said, with the form that they've come into as well. So yeah, um, I think I think there's something going on back, like you know, way behind the scenes with Pochettino and Levy. I think Pochettino not being able to either go to Manchester United or even the Real Madrid, yeah, the Madrid job mm-hmm. in uh, the summer. 
I, I think like there's something something to do with that, and I feel like maybe the players are onto it, or maybe there's just that yeah. lack of passion now. I don't know. Maybe or, or maybe it's also the Champions League final. You know, the hangover. The, you from know, that. big hangover, and they you know once again they didn't win the trophy. It's an interesting point, like you say, the, the, the players don't seem to be playing for Pochettino like they had in previous seasons. That's the, the thing. Like you say, the effort levels is a clear indication of that. Um, there certainly has been a lot of needle. Pochettino's words ever since the end of last season have suggested a manager that's maybe got the next step in mind. Um, now, obviously, there was a significant buyout clause effectively inserted into his contract, which has probably prevented him from getting the Madrid job and it's prevented him probably from getting the United job. Although I think that... Uh, Solskjaer's run of form last year probably got him the job as opposed to uh, Pochettino not getting it. Um, it, it it's, it's a real, really uh, sticky situation for them. Um, can, I, can I ask the pair of you the same question? Because I look at that Spurs team and I think the goalkeeper, Lloris, fine. You know, mm-hmm. fine. Fine. Yep. Not a world beater, but no, he's fine. Fine. Um, I mean, I said a couple of weeks ago on I think the first pod, I'm worried about Spurs as fullbacks um, mm-hmm. because, and there appears to be, get, as you said, holes there. I don't understand why they haven't got another fullback to play other than either Danny Rose or Walker Peters, both of which I'm not sure are that good. No, they're not. You know, um, and centre halves. Obviously, you've got an unhappy Vertonghen there, but centre halves, I would suggest they're fine as well. Yeah, they've got some decent. They've got some quality guys in there. there. Centre midfield obviously looks stocked. You know they've got a lot of players in there now: Winks and Dombele and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. It's it's in that creative aspect because against Newcastle, Newcastle basically pumped all their guys behind the ball. They worked really hard, and it was up to Spurs to break them down and not get caught on the counter. And in Lamella, I'm going to ask you a question about him. Would you have him in the team? No. Or would you take him at your clubs? No. Not really. No. I don't know what he does. Well, I thought his gimmick was I'll run because he kind of came to the league and he got injured pretty much straight away, right? And then when he came back, he had a bit of a resurgence because he ran around and found people. That was basically his gimmick. And I don't understand what else he really does. And I'm looking at Lucas Mora, and there's a player who is incredibly wasteful. Yeah. And (laughs) he's so wasteful. And then you've got Son, who I loved to bits, he's great. You've got Kane, who barely got a sniff. I mean, he had a, a guilt-edge chance in the game. He had one chance, essentially, spurned it. Should have had a penalty, but we'll get onto that yeah. later on. But I, do, you think that, do you think this will be different when Ali comes back? No, because I don't think he's got really that creativity to unlock a defence that's going to sit so deep. Um, they do miss... They don't have wit, firstly. So if you're Newcastle and you can keep it narrow... And also keep it tight there. It takes all the spaces away from Kane. It makes it very easy to play against. And because they haven't got any natural whip from uh, the other attacking players, so Lamea and um, Mora, they're not going to get wide. So then you're relying on, on Rose and Walker-Peters to be able to obviously offer some quality in the final third. And I don't believe they've got any quality to be able to, to offer what Liverpool's fullbacks can. I think they, they should be worried if Ericsson goes because that transfer window is still open for most of Europe at yeah. the moment. And if if they if he goes, they can't replace him. Um, when he when he come on, he's come on in both uh, the last two games. He when has. he's come on, you can see he's changed their style of play or just just added that little bit of creativity that they clearly need and miss. Well, this is the thing when I mean, they highlighted it in the Man City game on match of the day. When you've when you've got when you're playing against a team who are you know banks of whatever and it's hard to break them down, you need players who are going to fleet in between the lines and. Ericsson does that pretty. You know, he does that. I don't think Ericsson's incredible by any stretch, but he is a player that does that. 
other than he's know, someone that Tottenham needs. <clears throat> oh, absolutely. Um, you know, the th- yeah, I, I, I'm unsure. I'm really unsure. It's I started a- off this season thinking Spurs are going to be pretty good this year. So I, I tipped them to be good. And I'm I'm worried at the moment about them. I don't believe Ericsson's going for what it's worth. I I don't hear any rumours that are you know concrete that he's going. Uh, he needs to be in the team though. Uh, whatever's going on between him and Pochettino with him not starting games and not getting into games early enough to influence them, uh, that needs to stop. And I do think that's something about the transfer window being open that maybe Ericsson's trying to push ahead. They've got a massive game though next weekend. It's massive uh, because uh, they they've kind of felt like the bigger team in North London for the last couple of years uh, this is the first time where they're feeling a bit rocky and they're going to a team who are feeling pretty boisterous after their uh, summer window and how they've kind of started the season as well well brilliant 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 segue there Woods I loved your work there. you're welcome we should get you on the show <laughs> speaking of Arsenal they traveled to Liverpool and were handily beaten 3-1 is it all doom and gloom for Arsenal fans, Lee? What did you take away from the game? Um, it's, it's, it's difficult because you know the, the scoreline reflects that they've you know ultimately they've got taken a bit of a dicking in terms of a three-one loss. Uh, it's slight progress and compared to last year and um, previous visits to Anfield, I think they conceded twenty-five goals in seven games, so they're averaging over three goals a game anyway. Uh, prior to this game, uh, the difference is that they do kind of. I don't know, they, they, they tried till the end. Obviously, they got the consolation goal through Torreira. Um, maybe that's something that lacks in, a, in an Arsenal team of previous years. However, something that doesn't lack, which we've seen from time and time again, and we saw it again in the Liverpool game, is their centre-backs. You know, this time it was obviously David Luiz, as you touched upon uh, early Woods, you know, <laughs> <laughs> tapping there, yeah, I see. Um, yeah, it, the guy's a liability, and I, I, I can't see what Arsenal fans for, or even the board or whoever, saying that it's great business at eight million. Yeah, maybe the figure itself is, is, is low, but look at the guy. You know, he's so unpredictable. He's, he's got he's, he's just got that mistake in him, and that lack of concentration. He likes to get a bit tight. His legs are going a little bit, you feel, yeah. and you know, definitely no competition for Salah, who you know completely <laughs> mugged him off like near the halfway line. Oh, I enjoyed that so later. much, mate. It's, and then obviously the penalty as well. It's just like that's you know that's him. You feel like that's going to be their downfall this year. You know, when it comes to get playing against the bigger clubs, the top six teams. You know, with you know with him at the back, I, you know, I'm not I'm not convinced. Yeah. What did we think of? Uh, sorry, just a quick one. What did we think of Sebalos uh, or whatever his name is? Uh, it was a lot quieter this game than what he was the previous game because I was like you know looking out for him, thinking you know he's going to be you know something because I missed the previous game, so I was looking forward to seeing him as you know collectively over a whole, over, over a whole game. Um, but yeah, he, he fleeted in and out of the game. Look, Liverpool play in a variety of ways that you know always going to make uh, teams that come to Anfield. You know they're going to they're going to have to have multiple tactics almost because they can either attack you from the wings. They they're almost like the opposite to Spurs at the moment in terms of mm. that they can attack in a variety yeah. of ways. As I said, with the wings, with the fullbacks, with the front three, even going through the middle with the um, Fabinho, uh, Fabinho ball to uh, Salah. I thought that was beautiful. It was crisp. It allowed them. To, to push up and then do that quick turn. They, they just, yeah, they, they, they seem... I, I think Arsenal don't have to be too worried, but I still feel like, you know, they're there where, where they're going to be kind of where they were last year. I don't feel like there's been significant progress, but at the same time, I don't think there's been regress. But they start, but, so the, but how much do they spend on uh, Nicola Pepper? £72 million. Pounds. Yeah, £70 million, wouldn't it? So the, the thinking is behind that, that they're going to have a, a fearsome front three of a Bamiyang... <laughs> Lacazette and Nicola Papa 
<laughs> what we'll say quickly before we go over to Woods on this is that it could have been a different game if the boy there, Pepe, actually uh, took his uh, chance, as well as Aubameyang, who also oh had a decent God. chance yeah. after a bit of a calamity at the back with uh, Adrian. Um, that's going to be Liverpool's uh, problem Yeah, they well. need Dallas on back Because he, he is not, like, Van Dijk was not happy with him no. the way he, he cleared it, because obviously he's used to, you know, that cool composedness of Alisson. Um, so, yeah, but, you know, Aubameyang and Pepe could have scored and we could have been looking at a different game, but Liverpool are ruthless. Yeah, I mean, I just want to go back to Celebos. Um, I I was watching for him as well because really, he's an entertaining boy, but he was gassed. He was absolutely fucked because um, that's not his game. <laughs> the, the geezer was being asked to run and track back to front and it, you could see from about half hour the legs were gone um, and that's when the mind starts to go as well. It wasn't a game for him. Uh, I think they may well have been better off playing Torreira in there because Arsenal set up with a, with a very unique and interesting tactic which was to effectively go... Right, what we're going to do, we're going to try and keep it tight in the middle. We're going to allow Liverpool's fullbacks to maintain possession of the ball and put crosses in, but we're going to basically defend those crosses all day and then try hitting on the counter attack. And the reason why I think that that was the tactic was because if you get suck the fullbacks in high and you basically win the headers, all of a sudden their fullbacks are out of position and you're hitting balls out to uh, Nicola Pepe and Aubameyang who can attack with pace. And it almost worked. As you said, uh, Lee, it would have been a completely different game had uh, their £72 million player uh, had any semblance of a finish. It was a dreadful effort. Um, and that's, that's, that, that is him. I mean, Mikey, you touched on him in, uh, leading into the season. He's, he's an electric player to watch, but his finishing is so inconsistent. It was so poor. Um, so I saw a lot of people questioning it. I thought it, was, I thought it was brave. I thought it was an intelligent idea from Emery. And of course, if it pays off, you look like a genius. It didn't pay off and everyone now questions it. But if, if they'd have gone there and played their usual game, they would have lost anyway. So it's nice that he kind of tried something a bit different. It just didn't pay off in the end. Um, I'm, I'm still waiting for, for um, Emery to name a starting eleven for Arsenal that I would pick. Because <laughs> yeah. I swear, I swear, every time I see that team sheet, I'm like, oh, I would have had, why isn't that guy playing? Why isn't he playing? What's going on there? It never seems to happen. I, he always seems to be stuck with your jackers of the world and, and people like that. I don't understand. Yeah, he's, it was strange that Torreira didn't play in a game where they're going to need some energy in there. Um, Xhaka looked like a passenger as well. And I think when you play uh, him in a game where you're going to need some energy to kind of get up and down, it's just not going to work. Um, they're still missing three of their first choice defenders uh, that they'll partner with Calamity Louise um, in um, Tierney who all I hear is that this guy's going to be basically Andy Robertson Mark II he's going to be amazing but you know he's played in an amateur league for his whole career so far so that's to be determined and, and the return of obviously Hector Bellerin who is an important player for them uh, but he's coming back from a very very serious injury so there's a lot of reliance and on those players coming back and hitting the ground running. Um, like I said, Lee, though, they didn't go to Anfield expecting to see anything. Their, their record away at the top six is truly dreadful. Uh, January 2015, the last time that they won a game, that is now 23 football matches <laughs> without winning, of which they've lost 15 of them. It's dreadful. It's dreadful. Um, but, yeah, I mean, next weekend's a massive game, isn't it, as I touched on. Um You've got Tottenham who look out of form. You've got Arsenal who look dangerous, but also look dangerous at the back. Um, I think it'd be a good game because it means a lot to both teams. So what we've got, um, Arsenal, they're on 
six points at the moment. That's right. Uh, you've got Tottenham, who are on four. Um, so it's a big game. Most of the league are on four, to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> this is fair. We're only three games in, after all. But there's an opportunity, obviously, for Tottenham to uh, get back ahead of Arsenal if they win. Um, there's also an opportunity for, for Arsenal to somewhat gap them by uh, five points, at, even at this early stage, which is a big statement for them at that point, especially because of uh, where the focus lies, which is finishing top four. So uh, really intriguing football match for, for both teams. Will both teams be looking to kickstart their season somewhat? Another team looking to kickstart their season somewhat is uh, Manchester United. Yes, Mike. This you coming, buddy, I think. <laughs> we watched the game together, didn't we? Um, yes, but we did it legally and all above boardly. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, because it wasn't a three o'clock kickoff, was no, it? No, it was not a three o'clock. <laughs> um, so, um, Manchester United played uh, a Crystal Palace team, a Crystal Palace team that have looked absolutely just awful this season so far. And looked awful for most of last season, but they do win a lot of their points on the road. That's kind of that's kind of their gimmick, and they went away from Old Trafford with all the points this time as well. That's the same record as Spurs that Man United have now in terms of played three, lost one, drew one, won one. And my overwhelming question is, why are we continuing with Jesse Lingard? God damn! <laughs> because honestly, the rest of that team, right? I'm looking at this, the, the lineups, and I. I have given, I've questioned Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I've questioned his appointment, i question if he knows what he's doing, i, I question many, many things about his appointment and his role at the club now. One thing I'm not going to question him on is his, the majority of his starting lineups. He hasn't, Matic has not seen a wink. Smalling hasn't even seen the bench. Jones hasn't even seen the bench. Like these players are being shut out. Rojo, who are you? You ain't getting nowhere near the squad, bruv. It's good. I like the fact that we've got a settled back four. You know, Shaw, Wan-Bissaka, Maguire, Lindelof. Yes, they're not world beaters. Lindelof missed the header for the first goal for Crystal Palace because somehow Crystal Palace's players like IU and Schlup are monsters in the air. What the hell was going on? What I will say is, though, if Shaw hadn't have tried to stay on after getting injured and he would have come off when he got injured, we wouldn't have conceded that first goal because Maguire was covering for him the entire that, the, oh, is that, that three it? minute stretch because he did yeah, he, he looked way out of position on on the replay for goal I hadn't seen that that was because he was covering yeah, he, Shaw he was covering Shaw yeah because basically Shaw pulled up with a Shaw went on like a 60 yard run for some reason did alright and then straight away pulled, like, clutched the old hammy and you're like you, you, you're clutching your back of your thigh bruv that's usually the sign that you go off now and he tried playing on um, he, got, he got treatment and then came back on I'm like what are we doing then we had to put up with Ashley Young coming on, which wasn't great. But we've had a settled back four. The midfield, I love McThomas, mate. I feel like he needs to start. He's very much a, a passenger in games. Do you know what I mean? He's, just a, he's a guy that just comes, you know, but I don't really know what else he does. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I want to see some personality from him. I want, to see, I want to see him express himself a little bit more, whether that be tackling, running. Just be a little bit more braver on the ball. Be a bit more braver on the ball. Because he, uh, he looks technically quite proficient. Mm. And he did win the penalty, to be fair to him, with, with a run. You know, and I, I feel like he could do more of that. Because he feels he looks like he's got a good engine on him. Um, Pogba, as I said, I'm president of his fan club now. I ain't saying anything bad about him. The guy's an absolute hero. He wasn't at fault for the goal at all, no. Yeah, he was. We got <laughs> t- it, it, Right, the, the one thing with Pogba is he keeps dwelling on that ball. And it's starting to... It's, I don't know if you guys have noticed it. It's starting to spread to other players now. Rashford kept dwelling on that ball. Rashford, by the way, was abysmal that game. Abysmal. What are you doing? Right? He had a shot. There was a, there was a shot he had, Lee. 
the pea roller the one where he had the volley from miles out and he was shaping up for it for quite a long time and I was like what are you doing there son what are you doing there why, why have you volleyed that with that technique from miles out oh ridiculous that comes down to decision making though doesn't it and there's a lot of youth in that team you sort of Daniel James as well sometimes his, his end ball his final sort of movement wasn't quite up to you know maybe the standards that you need or hope to expect for a Manchester United player well Dan James got a goal mate and Rashford didn't get a penalty <laughs> yeah I, so the noises are that um, that uh, Alexis Sanchez is going to stay because apparently Solskjaer wants him in the first team after seeing well, this, this is, what he's seen so this, far. This is what I wanted to touch, the brief, uh, touch upon with Man United was the, the guys that you brought on. You know, you're bringing on a 17-year-old in, in Greenwood to try and change the game. Uh, and was it Pereira as well? No, Mata came on. Oh, was it Mata? Sorry. Um, but even then he brought on Mata with like no time left. Mata should have started that game. Yeah, I feel like there's a lack of depth though in, in that team. And you, like you said, you know all your senior players you shun to the side. But it's so lopsided. We've got, we've got seven or eight first-team centre-halves. And yet we've got Jesse Lingard playing number 10. Well, this is, this is why Jesse Lingard is playing, mate. Because it's either him or Matter. Well, his stats, right? So Jesse or Lin- Sanchez, if you Jesse, bring him back in for Jesse the Jesse Lingard against Crystal Palace, right? No chances created. Ten passes backwards. No shots oh. at all. Either on or off target. Because he was poor as well against Wolves. He, he, he had a couple of really good opportunities where he found himself in the penalty area with, with time and space to take his moment. And His stats, I think you, you sent his stats over. He's basically done nothing apart from the month of December 2018. Yeah, and, he's, and that's because he played Arsenal. And he, yeah, because he, yeah, he played Arsenal. And he's goose egg the rest. Um, in, in fact, the stats, uh, he played Arsenal and he played uh, Cardiff as well, didn't he? So basically yeah. all his numbers are coming against in those two games. Uh, but he's done nothing else since. And it's amazing that you spent the whole summer linked with Bruno Fernandes. And I'm, I'm not necessarily uh, saying that this kid's a, a world beater, or, uh, but he's got to be an upgrade on, on Lingard. And the key thing is as well, Lingard's 27 years old. He's at, at this point, he's not going to progress beyond what he is. He's ultimately a squad player for Manchester United. And United have had uh, squad players like this for as long as I can remember. Those players like Phil Neville, for example. N- not necessarily- Quinton Fortune. I say Quinton, Quinton Fortune is on the team. You know, these, these players that, uh, when you've got League Cup games to play, uh, you've got maybe some lower teams to play, they can come in and do, do something for a moment. Uh, but Bruno- They fill in and they're drilled. Yeah. Exactly. Bruno Fernandes had three assists this weekend. Yeah. Um, Patrick of which, assists. Which, you know, it, it just... The lack of ambition by the club to go out... Because especially once you've got the Lukaku money. You've got the Lukaku money, which basically uh, negates a lot of the money that was spent on um, Wan-Bissaka and, and, and Maguire. So your net spend ultimately wasn't really outrageous when it needed to be more because the gap to get back into top four... Um, and that lack of quality in, in that hole behind the strikers is, is going to be a real real problem because um, Pogba's good at deep ball, uh, can progress it well, but I don't necessarily think he's got the ingenuity in that, that final third to pick a pass. One, one thing I will say about Pogba, the thing that was irritating me, and I've, I keep seeing it over and over again. Um, I saw it all last, year, all last season, all the season before that, and I thought it would change this season. So... With Maguire and Lindelof at the back, you've got two ball players, two guys that they can are carry it, coming yep. out of the ball. I lost count of the amount of times when one of them had the ball and Pogba's standing next to him. Pogba oh, yeah. at times is the deepest player. Pogba, I know that you said he can't find a pass, potentially. For me, Pogba needs to play 30 yards up the pitch. He needs to, be, he needs to basically stand in that number 10 position because he's a physical presence and, he can, and people can feed off of him. Because at the moment, I mean, Martial's done a pretty admirable job of holding the ball up, but 
you need Martial and Rashford coming off of players and you need more than one weapon, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, Lingard is not that weapon. And I think, I think Pogba needs to stop with getting involved in the middle so much in terms of trying to hold on to the ball, trick a player in a dangerous position, a.k.a. the goal they scored. And he needs to start affecting the game further up the pitch. He, need, he needs to, uh, well, yeah, he needs to leave that to McTominay. Yeah. And then he pushes up. Would you shift to Absolutely. a three, like a, a, a more of a standard three to push him into that kind of Lampard role? One of the issues as well is that you're playing Crystal Palace at home and you're playing essentially two defensive midfielders yeah. Yeah. against Crystal Palace at home yeah. who are sitting back playing deep. Yeah. But Spurs and United He needs to have issues. that knowledge though on the pitch that you know what he doesn't need to come pick that ball up from that deep. Could you not play with well, that? But that should be Solskjaer's job. Yeah. Uh, if, it's not the, if a player doesn't take responsibility for themselves on the pitch, surely the coach has to sit there and go, bruv, we're doing. Over there. Stand over there. Just keep going. Instead of, right, just stay there. Instead of Lingard, though, I mean, I know that there's a, not a great amount of players there, but Juan Mata has a skill set which would suit playing in that position. I know he's not quick. I know he's not... I, I couldn't believe they didn't start. Yeah. I just, I, we talked about Spurs, right? Not having any... You know, players that have yeah. one matter he doesn't need to be fast against a team that was sitting in their 18 no. yard box that game there's one thing that we can take though from Solskjaer's teams is that he wants teams energy but you know got energy and yeah. pace yeah but the thing is you can see Jesse Lingard is usually that presser right but you've noticed at the moment well I noticed it Martial is doing a lot more running up there it's been quite pleasing to see and Dan James is fucking he is burning up ground like you believe. Is ridiculous. we've actually got a right side at the moment fair, he's not fair play to that kid for what it's worth because it's a big step to go from Swansea to play for Manchester United and he's really uh, uh, you know really taking that opportunity um, I thought he'd struggle he's, uh, but he's been he's been unfairly given the dive yeah this, this bullshit uh, the one against Wolves I was a little bit he's, he's running at pace he's trying to evade the tackle he's gone down the one at the weekend it's a foul it's as simple as that um, and Here's the thing, right? I get it. I, I think divers should be booked. But at the same time, and we're going to get to VAR, are you telling me that VAR can't look at that and go, no, do not book that player for diving. That's a foul. Well, this is it. And this brings us on wonderfully to the next part of the show. So we're three weeks in. VAR. Now, I have a question for, the, for, for you to the listeners back home, everyone around the world. Can someone tell me how, what, what, it, what constitutes a penalty these days? Because this weekend we had an incident with Harry Kane, yep. which I thought was an absolute penalty beyond belief. It was. We had an incident with David Silva, which I thought was an absolute bank of a penalty. You, 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 Stonewall. He got stamped on. Stonewall, yes. <laughs> you know, um, what was the other one we, we had? had one and with Martial. Sorry? Martial. A Martial, again, another penalty. Yep. And then you've got Jimenez, which was like Oof. the most debatable penalty of the lot. And that's the one given. And VAR checked all of these. Yeah. I don't understand. I, I don't know what's going on with VAR at the moment because I, I watched the Chelsea game and there was even one in that where Aspilicueta should have been given a penalty as well. Um, I don't understand what's the point in VAR if you're not going to use it. Um, it almost feels like the situation where they don't want to undermine the referees still. Well, the thing is, that's the thing. You say that they don't want to use it. They are using it. They're all, these goals, so these, these incidents are being checked by VAR. It's coming up and saying it's now got the VAR right. check. Now, the thing is that what they've said is they don't want to ref the referee. Yes, right? that's exactly. They don't want to re-ref the that's game. That's correct, yes. So basically, it sounds like the, that when an incident happens, the VAR man in his cabinet 
in his cupboard somewhere, sitting down with his computers, watching this, will go, what did you see to the, to the referee? The referee will tell him what he saw, and he'll tell him if he made an error or not. Now, I can't believe that, especially there's one in particular. It is the, um, it is the David Silver one in particular, because he, he could quite easily not see in the foot tread on David Silver is going through, right? Could quite easily just not seeing it. And the, the VAR, I can only assume that the referee has said to VAR, yes, I did see it. And at what point, then VAR's like, well, I, I guess you haven't made a clear and obvious error then, have you? It's ridiculous. And we had exactly the same scenario, didn't we, with the, with the Rodri incident last week with, with Spurs, where yeah. the referee, we could clearly see, isn't looking at it. So therefore, you, no, there's no blaming him not giving the penalty. But then that's where the VIR he needs to say to the the guy, "I haven't seen it. What do you see? Talk to me." Yeah. But there, there seems to be a lack of communication. It seems like it's just over to you now, and then I'll wait for you to tell me what you think uh, in terms of do I give a decision or not, and that's it. There seems to be no going back and forth between them. Well, that's the difference, right? We've been watching obviously uh, the Ashes, um, incredible scenes, <laughs> obviously, in the Ashes, and. When you see, you know, the, the, the what, what's it called? It's not VAR and Ashes. What's, what's the, the, review system. the video review system? They have a big old conversation. They're having a big old chat the entire time. So there's no and doubt. And we can hear it. We so can hear it. We can understand. That's the beauty of it. We can understand where they're coming from and what they're looking at and why they're looking at it. And there's just none of that. It's all just fucking weird graphs with stupid fucking lines. <laughs> And just complete... G- G- Gary Neville called out, didn't he? He said it on the first Monday Night Football. He said, the bar's been set too high. He goes, I could see this when we went and did the, uh, you know, the, the press thing with, with the VAR people. He said, we can see it's been set too high and it's literally coming to, to light as, as we watch every weekend now. Yeah. Like, as you said, for me, the, the David Silver one, even Harry Kane, like, we, when we watched the game, we, we said, oh, you can see why maybe, because he's, he's already looked like he's leaning, and leaning down and looking for that contact before he goes down. But ultimately, uh, was it Lascelles? He He's done a full-on Superman dive and blocked him. <laughs> so he, he's literally, the contact is heavy. He can't run anywhere because he's dived in front of him. It's, it's a penalty. Yeah, it doesn't, like, if that happened off the ball, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, yeah. yeah, like I, I don't understand why. What for me? That's not tight. You know, for me that that one and the David Silva, it's not tight. It seems like you know who who are these guys? I don't know if you know Woods. Who are these guys that are you know being the video the assistant referee? You know what? I don't know. I don't know if they're are they actual professional. See, I, I'd have to assume that they are. Um, I, and it's probably, I it's probably are, of I, Premier League ilk. So I, are they actual I've, Premier League? I think they are because they introduced one of them um, in one of the games I watched the other day, and it was like, and I, I'd recognise the name. The problem is if it's Dermot Gallagher in there because Dermot Gallagher's <laughs> part of the referee fan club over there, and he won't say a bad word against officials. So if they kind of like, oh, I'm just going to have a look at this, and he, Dermot Gallagher's going to go, did you think it was a penalty? And the referee's like, no, I didn't. It's like I completely agree with you. I'm not even going to bother looking at the video. There's no point looking at the video. He's, I'll just draw some <laughs> fucking lines on a thing, mate, because for all the good it does, it's the same with Peter Walton as well. There, he's exactly oh my. God. That's why oh my he, God. he winds up Chris Sutton like no tomorrow. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe we need Chris Sutton doing Peter this. Peter fucking he... Walton, mate. He, oh my God. <laughs> I love Peter Walton. <laughs> oh, mate. I, lo- I love him because he winds up Chris Sutton. That's, well, that, that's it. It's, it's like when they first started introducing that guy on the BT, I was like, oh, for fuck, this guy, really? Like, can we not have someone who has a, a degree of charisma here? But the way that Chris Sutton gets so wound up, and I love Sutton because I love, I love his ways. I don't. I do um, not. You're too similar to him, Sutton that's why. When Chris Sutton and Savage 
When Sal and Savage are getting all wound up at each other about a decision, and then Walton just comes in and just shuts them down deadpan, it is a thing of beauty, I have to say. Yeah, I mean, watching the Chelsea-Norwich game, um, there was two moments. The Espelicueta one was... There was clearly contact and Chris Sutton was like, well, it's definitely a penalty. And this is Chris Sutton who, A, hates Chelsea and B, loves Norwich. Like, he was very much like, yeah, that's definitely a penalty. And then there was also the stamp um, in that game as well. And I kind of felt that it wasn't a red card. I kind of feel that if you look at it at a certain angle, it looks like a red card. I kind of feel if you look at it with a, a full view of it, it looks like he's tried to stop the ball from uh, rolling away and he's just basically got it horribly wrong and ended up treading on, on Mason Mount. But... Uh, it's just as an aside on that one, sorry. Just one second to talk about the, the horror challenge from Andoni. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen it? Once? I have not seen this one, no. Oh, oh God. is it that bad? Oh, it's, oh. it's not good, mate. It's so, it's so He had bad. an interesting it's day so because there was a video doing the rounds of him coming onto the pits, right? Where he's, he's, I, I think it got him wound, it got him wound up. up. He was so wound up from that moment that where his teammate ridiculously as they're going for just a kind of a walk on the pitch just to kind of acclimatise how's the turf oh, it's, his, his teammate comes in and just basically wallops him in his ankle well, I mean I, I don't understand him up and that's it. He's, for he's banter I, I don't get you could see that he was clearly like seriously seriously what are you doing what, what are you doing yeah. <laughs> I love the fact he was like I mean, am I injured yeah, I like, don't he's know. checking his leg <laughs> did you injure me honestly mate you got what, you, as soon as you can Go and look up this challenge, mate. It is a horror put it, challenge. Put it this way. VAR would have been... That would have been a perfect scenario if the referee had missed it and didn't give it and then to see what VAR would have done then because if, yeah. they, if they hadn't given a red card then, oh, oh my God, all hell would have broke loose. Wow. It's, it's the most reddest red you've ever read in your entire redded life. But, I mean, just getting back to it, I, I genuinely have a feeling about VAR right now that they don't want to correct officials because they don't want to ref the referees and that's how some of these awful decisions are not being corrected and I think that they need to get away it's almost like there's a there's a level of pride you know because uh, I think that what you've got if, if it is a case that the people in the truck or cupboard or whatever they sit doing the VAR studies are doing um, are part of the same refereeing group then they're probably looking out for each other which isn't what needs to happen it needs to be an impartial third party, right? It kind of feels that way. But if, 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 if it's a case that they don't want to correct their mates because they don't want to make their mates look bad, then they're not ultimately understanding VAR firstly. Because ultimately football moves at such a pace, it's, it's almost, you know, issues like this for referees are going to happen. Why we've got VAR now is because you can kind of slow it down, look at different angles and make the correct decisions. But they're not using it to do that. It's so what frustrating. It's so frustrating. What we need... <laughs> very frustrating. Yes, it's very it frustrating. Repeated it twice. Um, no, for me, what they, what they need to do is, is to make it like... A, we need to know what, how they're reaching these decisions. So yeah. if it's not in the game, then afterwards, after the game, they need to come out and say, this is the reason why we didn't overturn the decision. But they're not doing that either. Would... So there's no clarity. There's no understanding of their decisions, which agree. we're already questioning and we, you know, we're baffled by. Completely agree. The referees should have to explain these decisions, or at least VAR should. Because th- th- I'd love to hear the explanation from VAR and the referee as to how that David Silver penalty didn't get given. Because I, I can't see any circumstance how that's not a penalty. Yeah. I just can't see... I can, for the Kane one, I can kind of buy it because Dermot Gallagher was using some bullshit to explain that, oh, I thought Kane was <laughs> looking to engage the contact where ultimately, if you've played the game, what Kane's trying to do is get his body across the cells because he can feel the cells coming across because he wants to get his body there to protect the ball so he can get his shot away. The cells then falls down and just cleans him out. 
It's, 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 I can't understand. Like, it's clearly a penalty. Uh, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. VAR was meant to come in to stop this. What, what they argued on Match of the Day was because the, because the two of them couldn't agree in the studio, then how obviously is the referee meant to overturn the decision. But I feel like today we've discussed the decisions and we're all saying that's a penalty, that's a penalty. So for me, they are clear and obvious. So they need to address this. So ultimately, what they need to do is just take this bar and, and bring it lower. Yeah. And I think I think I do think that will happen as time goes on because the scrutiny and the more of these uh, you know decisions that are made that are not overturned, there will be a point where you know that they will break and they will start giving them more in the favour. They will start to overturn them. Yeah, because I mean at the World Cup, you know they were given penalties quite frequently, and I know that people but, kind of like getting a bit concerned about. It, but the, no one really, could, other than I can only remember one in my mind where I was like, "That's ridiculous." It was the handball one, I think, in the Spain or Portugal game, and it was a bit like, "Oh, that's that's a poor decision." But other than that, it was like, "Well, the players have just got to stop being stupid in the penalty area." I, I would argue that if the referees in say the games we were discussing over the weekend if they were given the opportunity to look at the VAR monitor that we have saw at the World Cup if they had that opportunity I think they would be over, overturned that's an interesting decisions. point that because yeah because they're not capable right they, they, they don't get the opportunity to go look at they them they don't have the screens because ultimately then it's their decision to go review it and it's now my decision based on what I've exactly. now seen it, ta- it takes off that pressure off the guy that obviously doesn't want to overturn you know the referee that's officiating the game and therefore re-refereeing the game yeah I agree. I agree. I understand why they haven't put them in. They wanted it to be quicker. Uh, but ultimately, it's not leading to VAR working. And that's the key thing. It's not. Mate, we need to go back. I'm telling you, you nailed it last week, Lee, when you said we need a challenge system. You're right. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. And maybe one day, Manchester United will be in the Champions League final and they'll have a challenge system in place there. And something like what happened to Australia will happen to Man United, where they a team uses the challenge at a stupid time and then it comes back to bite them in the arse. Where a decision, <laughs> <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, obviously. Delicious, yeah. mate. I'll tell you what. Uh, I, I've never really been a massive cricket fan, but cricket's a wonderful sport. We should do a cricket podcast. <laughs> <laughs> It's great. It can join the Formula One one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, should we go into predictions unless anyone else has anything more to add to VAR? No, because I'm sweating here profusely, so I'm happy to move on. So Lee currently has an ice pack on his forehead, looking oh, quite, so quite grim. Oh, it's, very, it's getting very leaky, mate. It's getting quite leaky. Okay. <laughs> Mine's now leaking onto the towel. I've got a drip on my leg a second ago. It's been fun. Um, so let's start off then. Half past 12 on Saturday, we have a Southampton team fresh off of a 2-0 away win at, you know, at Brighton, who are you know, looking pretty good early doors. Southampton have got some points on the board. They're playing Manchester United, who have got four points on the board. And... Uh, so Manchester United don't have Shaw for a month Uh, Tony Marshall apparently he's hurt as well really I didn't know yeah apparently this is one of the reasons I know you were mentioned about Sanchez but one of the reasons that they might not let Sanchez go is because Martial's carrying a knock at the moment well he pulled up in the game yeah it's just something uh, I I read that um, it suggested that he, he could be a doubt which would be a massive blow because he is your goal scorer, basically, isn't he? Um, <sighs> speaking of which, uh, does he now take penalties or does penalties go back to Pogba? <laughs> what are we doing now? I don't know. Can we just play Matter instead of Lingard and Matter can take them? He scores penalties. He does. 
He's good at yeah, it. He's good at penalties. You know, just for fun. That's, that's the answer. You just nailed it, mate. Just play Matter. <laughs> play Matter. I love that little Matter. We gave him. We gave him a new deal. Play him. Play him. Play him. You don't need him to run around too much. Just get him in the hole. Get him picking passes and dictating play. Getting those faster players into position. Ah, it's 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 not. But no, we'll play we'll play the young Jesse Lingard because you know he needs he needs the minutes at this young tender age of twenty seven. What I will say is, and this is the the red tinted the rose tinted glasses wearing Michael Carden Edwards. If we put these ponies away, nine points. Our early season looks looks decent. Three from three. Joint top with Liverpool. I completely agree, mate. It's a funny game, isn't it? It's a funny game. It is a very, <laughs> very funny game. This is why you, sh- you, you know we shouldn't write things off so early. You know, we we look. I, I always we've always said this, right? Look for trends. If if there is a trend, act on it. Don't knee jerk because if you're chasing that knee jerk and you're kind of chasing it, it's folly. It's just mm-hmm. a waste of fucking time. Do you know what I mean? But who do we think? Southampton? I think uh, United, United, for what it's worth. I think that Southampton might play into their hands a bit. Um, I think United will be able to give up a bit of possession, which will give them the opportunity to hit Southampton on the counter-attack, being the away team. Um, I, didn't, I didn't see the Southampton-Brighton uh, game, but I think they obviously changed on the, on the red card, um, which, you know... Te- there was a lovely goal in that game, by the way. If you haven't seen that, have you, if you haven't I seen that game, it. I'll, I'll go check it out well. um, on match, match of the day. Um, other... Highlight services are available. <laughs> <laughs> what say what say you, Mr. Collard? I think it will be a draw. Thank, thanks. What are you going for? Uh, I've got, I'm going for a Manchester United win. I've got. A, I'm doing my bid for Mark Lawrenson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next game we have Crystal Palace at home. Obviously, coming fresh off of a two-one victory away at Old Trafford versus Aston Villa. Mm. Uh, Aston Villa. Is this where we bring up Aston Villa and Everton, eh? And Aston Villa side. Aston Villa. Who, uh, who, uh, who did they play, Lee? I don't, I don't want to talk about it, mate. It was a really, really bad game of football, especially from an Everton perspective. It was truly, truly awful. It was abysmal. I just can't think of any more adjectives that can describe how bad we were. Apart from the first 10 minutes, we looked bright. We looked good. I mean, this isn't even the Everton, the Everton thing now, but I'm going to talk about Everton, by the way. Because um, Villa, Villa were okay. I thought they defended well, but we made it life so easy, much easier for them. Can I ask you a question? Andre Gomez. <laughs> yeah, he had, he had a mare. Mate, I, I, do you know what? I said this to uh, Michael the other day, Woods. Michael, um, hear that? Yeah, Michael. Michael. Hmm. Um, yeah, oh, that's weird, ain't it, Michael? Um, anyway... Uh, for what it's worth, I think you might be right with the uh, with the shout with Idrissa Gay not supporting him yeah. in, in the middle of the park, mate. With Schneider in oh there, my God. Oh, oh, oh dear God, it is just I fit a ponderous, slow centre midfield partnership right there. And he's, is he is he the option, or are we just waiting for this new guy to to bed in a bit? Oh no, he's gone, mate. He's he's injured. Oh. He's out for for weeks. <laughs> oh Jesus, right? Yeah, that doesn't help. So we're waiting things. on Delft, mate. That's who we're waiting. We're waiting on, on Delft to get back to come save you. The, the one. Can you not just play Tom Davies or something, mate? Tom Davies. What? Why is he not getting a look in after Schneiderlin? You know, obviously getting himself sent off against Palace. Uh, just brought back straight into the team, though. So that's mad. Obviously, 
is yeah, That's, something, something uh, obviously sits right with uh, silver for him, but not for me. Every time I see an Everton lineup, I I think back to Jurassic Park and when Ian Malcolm is in the car and he's knocking on the camera and he goes, uh, "Hello." Eventually, you do plan to have dinosaurs on this <laughs> tour, and all I think is, "Hello." You do currently plan to play Moise Keane at some point. Why the fuck? <laughs> Are you persisting with Calvert-Lewin up front when Moise Keane is literally sitting there? I, I, am I missing something? Is he not ready? No, he's, he, no, he's not a Premier League striker, is he? Cal- Calvert-Lewin? Yeah, at best, he's like, you know, no. he's, he's lower end, you know, or championship. Um, yeah. For, you know, for, for what it's worth, you know, he, he well, I say for what it's worth, you know, he's won. He, if he took his chance, that game could have been different. But he had a, a sitter... He really um, did have which a he sit. missed, and Walker also had a sitter at the end of the game, which he he missed. But with the Calvert Lewin one, um, he's got pretty much half the goal to aim for, and he hits it at the defender on the line. What are you doing? And the goalkeeper is behind the defender as well, so even if it doesn't <sighs> hit the defender, the goalie's saving it. Yeah, you know, I was happy. I was enjoying the pod, and now you're making me think about that performance. So let's talk about Villa. Yeah, I thought Jota looked bright. Um, I, I did. He, he looked like a really sharp little player. Picked up some. Mate, good position. The boy isolated last exactly. week. Exactly, Wesley, mate. <laughs> Wesley, yeah. He gave he gave Mina and Keane a hard time, mate. He uh, he he worked very very hard. Um, I, I called him a poor man's Ben U, uh, B unit, didn't I? Ben Teke last week. Um, maybe maybe I was a bit harsh on him, but uh, yeah. Well, I'm plumbing Villa here, and we are away, are we? Aston Villa are away to Crystal Palace. Okay. Um, oh yeah, give me Palace aren't good. No, they're home, not. Give they? me give me yeah. Give me Villa. Yeah, I'll take a bit of Villa. Yeah, I'll take a bit of Villa. Love it. Love it. Now, the next game, three o'clock kickoff, we've got Chelsea, the mighty blues. Yeah. Monkey is off the back, mate. I mean, they they just, needed that. Just. They need, yeah, I mean, it, it was just by the scoreline, but um, Chelsea were good for it. They actually played really well on the day. Um, Norwich, Norwich, a credit to them, though. Um, they're going to be a tough team at home. Um, all season I think I, I wrote them off after watching 90 minutes of Norwich this season but um, at home they look like a different animal uh, the fans get properly behind them um, they, they're going to surprise some teams uh, same problems persist for Chelsea uh, defensively can I, can, I, yeah. can I ask you one Go question about that game because we watched the game as well you did a tweet about this uh, Cantwell <laughs> yeah I get the feeling he was winding you up a Mate, little bit bruv I, this is face and his hair. It is. And, and I, I was like, ah, oh. you know, sometimes you see that player and I was just like, man, I want to smack that kid. And I'm not even a violent person. I just like, I oh, just, this kid. And then he persistently dived. And I was like, he's just doing this to wind me up. Me personally, with his face and his hair. And now he's diving. Ah. Oh. And then he scored <laughs> he a goal, He did score right? a goal as well. I was like, no, this is not happening. Yeah. Um, Cantwell. Yes. Yes. Cantwell by name. Uh... <laughs> Look at him, he's so... He's, he's, he's got like that, that squirm. He's got the Harry Redknapp squirm on it. But it was great for Tammy to finally also um, kind of break his... Good duck. goals. Uh, great goals. Mate, really, really good, good goals. goals. Really good goals. Um, first goal in his career outside the penalty area. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wow. know. And he took, mate, he took, took it, it really well. well. And like, it was a really big well. moment because we needed it. Um, because although we seem to be controlling play and creating opportunities, um, it, it needed that moment to get us back into the lead. And I don't really think we were in any issue of losing that lead once we got it for the third time, having 
obviously conceded the lead twice earlier in the game. Uh, Kovacic was magnificent, though. Um, for me, he was man of the match. Um, he, I said this to you, didn't I? Mm. He, he was, he was really good, and I, I go back to the, the first pod that we did, and I, I do still believe that Kovacic and Kante is the two that I play behind Mason Mount, who, for me, has been the surprise of the season. I didn't believe Mason Mount would be able to make the step that he has into the Premier League. I really didn't believe the hype that a lot of Chelsea fans had put on him. You were part of the hype, but you look, mate. I am the propaganda <laughs> machine. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I say a lot of things about Chelsea. It's all positive, uh, you, mate. He's got over. He's got a touch. He has mate. got a the, touch. The, you know, the thing that surprised me, his touch. He's got. He he, he controls the ball very very well. He's smooth I mean, to the, watch. The finish, isn't he? really crisp finish. Two and two for him. Um, Pulisic, not his best game, but still was influencing it. Um, Barkley though, <laughs> uh, I mean, he was brought in at the last minute to play left wing instead of Pedro, and it showed that he, he was um, anonymous. Um, we really need Callum back as soon as possible. Um, and he should be back after the international window. I think Reese James is close as well. Um, I wonder if Callum Hudson-Odoi is strong enough to hold the weight of all of Chelsea <laughs> fans' hopes and dreams on his back. Well, it was, mate, it's all right. They've got Reese James as well to help him out there. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and Mount. Oh, yeah. And Tammy. Mate, and, and all, I'm saying, um, all I'm saying, all I'm saying, in about 10 years' no, time... Prince Pooley. Prince Pooley. In, 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 in 10 years' time, mate, <laughs> 10 years' time, all I'm going to say, they're going to be class of 92 what? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, what we do? one quick last thing on Chelsea, very quickly. Kepa. Yeah. Uh, the second one, I was a bit like... I, <laughs> I saw no, I only bring this up because I saw a tweet yeah. from you about David De Gea the other day and I I, 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 I bit massively, <laughs> but I didn't send the tweet because I was like, no, I'm not going to... I'm not going to... I'm not going to do no this. Satisfaction I'm not going to do this with you. Right? <laughs> well, instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait for Kepa to show some chocolate wrists, as you say, and I'm going to bring up on the pod. Yes. Um, he doesn't inspire me of confidence, bruv. It, it's not been the best start to this season. He had a really good game, actually, in the Super Cup, uh, but I didn't think he was he was good at the weekend. I thought for the second goal, I think he could have done more for the, the, the Pookie goal that was. Um, so it was a bit disappointing. Other than that, yeah, there's a couple of moments, but he also made some important saves. He's he's not hit the level of form that is expected um, of him. You know, when you think about the price tag, um, which honestly you shouldn't really be paying attention to price tags on these things because players are never really going to meet the price tags anymore because uh, they're all overpriced. But it is a bit of a concern. But at the same time, I think that the players in front of him probably aren't helping things too much. We missed Kante massively as well. I thought in the first half it was any any team would. Yeah, be exactly. He's he's um, he is Chelsea's superstar. Um, obviously, with Eden leaving, we we we're still left with one world class player, and that is him. Um, so you're facing Sheffield United, a Sheffield United that lost two one thanks to a wonder goal, a beautiful strike. Harvey Barnes. Harvey Barnes. Beautiful. Have you seen this one, Woods, as well? Or you missed I've this missed one? I've missed this one as well, yeah. Oh, mate, you're in, you're in for a treat, mate. This is this is glorious half-volley power arrow shot. Oh, it's an glory. absolute... Half-volley arrow. It's a fucking missile. Mate. It's a missile. Sweet. I've got this to look forward like, to. It's, in the, it's back of the net before you realise like what's happened. It's like a 75-mile-an-hour shot. How did Sheffield play against Leicester? Because Leicester are a decent team. Yeah, well, Chris Wilder came out afterwards. I thought he was the most interesting thing about the whole weekend and game with 
concerning Sheffield United in terms of that he come out and he was like, no, we don't we don't applaud the players for just putting in a shift and putting in the effort. Wow. There was no quality on the pitch today. Uh, you know, so he he obviously he's trying to set them standards high. You know, even for you know little old Sheffield United, and I do that in inverted commas so I don't cause too much. Well, I was always a when I was I much preferred Wednesday as a kid to United. So <laughs> whilst I'm not a huge fan of Jamie Vardy, I really enjoyed his celebration. Yeah, he was giving it to the fans. He he enjoyed that, and that was also another funny thing about that game as well. Was yeah. was, was, was the, well, I can't we don't even call it banter with the fans, but you know. He, yeah. gave, he had some banter after he scored that goal. But it's nice way. for him because obviously as a, as a Wednesday fan and on a bit of a... No, he hadn't scored this season. Bit of a bit of a barren run for him for a change and then he gets his goal against United. Stands there with the fingers, the ears. Delicious. Shepherd Wednesday. Delicious. Um, I always think of David Hurst and the David Hurst is like that always what if, isn't it? Uh, with regards to Manchester United because Fergie wanted David Hurst instead of Cantona. And Wednesday didn't pick up the phone. Well, we got Cantona. I mean, yeah, absolutely. You got Cantona <laughs> and went on to have an era of dominance born off, off the, the swagger of the Frenchman. You just kind of wonder what it would have been had David Hurst rocked up. Would he have put his collar up and carried the team? I doubt it. <laughs> Mate, the first player I think of when I think of Sheffield Wednesday is Orlando Trustful. Reggie, Reggie Blinker. Reggie Blinker. <laughs> <laughs> Right, and, then, and then Wim Young as well come on let's, let's move on uh, yeah give me Chelsea at home yeah I'm going yeah, Chelsea. Chelsea right then we've got Leicester who obviously were the, the, the victors in that game against Sheffield United facing AFC Bournemouth who are were quite unlucky against Man City realistically Man City could have had Kyle Walker sent off within the first kind of 20 minutes um, Bournemouth created actually a few chances I thought they, 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 they gave him a good go but Man City class apart I would say definitely class apart they had, they had to put a shift in as well, Bournemouth. They were being stretched all over the pitch um, by that City team. So, I don't know. Obviously, they've had a week off. But for me, I feel like it's a Leicester win on yeah, this one. Yeah, Bournemouth don't travel well. Uh, they always have a little bit of um, an advantage at home. Smaller ground. Team's obviously not used to it. It's quite compact. But, um, yeah, Leicester are, Leicester are a decent team. They, they are looking like the pick of the, the 7 through uh, 11 uh, to, to break the top six. They're the team that I think are going to put the most pressure on on the four above them uh, being Manchester United, Chelsea, Arsenal and Tottenham. Cool. I'm also going to go for a Leicester win because I don't want to go lag behind you boys in the old <laughs> football this year. So some tactical... Tactical predictions. predictions oh, there. right. Um, then we've four. got Man City who... Yeah. <laughs> we've got Man City who obviously handed out a pretty... Oh, a very nice win against Bournemouth. I have to say, David Silva, 400, 400th game for the club. So basically was involved in all three goals... Aguero as well with his 400th professional goal. Yeah. That's impressive. We title, talked, isn't I, it? I said last week on the show that when uh, you know David Silva came on the pitch and he was off the pace massively, well, he weren't off the pace here. He was. Uh, but you did say, I'm assuming he started. Because I'm going to caveat what you said. You said he can't come on as a sub and influence the game. So that was Lee this Ah, so Lee, Lee was the one that came up and basically told you, Mikey, no, 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 you're wrong. He just needs to start games. And Lee was right. But this is, this is why we pay him the big bucks. Say, this is true. <laughs> but what he did say, you know, the fact is Kevin De Bruyne didn't really turn up. Oh, wow. But they didn't need to because David Silva was the man, you know? David, I'm not saying De Bruyne had a bad game by any stretch, but, you know, he, didn't, he wasn't the one Silver who needed to. Silva was above, to. like he was the, the one on the pitch. Yeah. Um, I'm, they're, play, they're facing Brighton. Um, it's, 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 it's a city, city win, isn't, isn't it? it? Basically, yeah. it's kind of pointless talking about this. Then we've got Newcastle fresh off of a glorious victory. Joel Linton looking like a player. 
Eh? Strong hold-up play. Who needs Rondon? Yeah? Who needs him? My favourite ever player. Mate, Rondon will never be forgotten on this podcast, will he? No, because no, Michael reminds us of him every week. <laughs> do, you, do you not remember when we were linked with him? Sorry, Manchester Mourinho, United? Mourinho's Man United were linked with Rondon, mate. It would have been amazing. Could you imagine? <laughs> I, what? Yeah, I can imagine like nine goals for, for Man United. Yeah, glorious. Almost as many as Rashford, bringing though. Bringing players into play. <laughs> Almost that? as many as Rashford with nine. <laughs> oh, fucking... God's sake. Yeah, we've got Newcastle versus Watford. Mate, Watford. They, they oh, oh my word. They really did. Um, I, I feel uh, Javier Garcia is... I, know, I don't want to be like, you know, the knee jerk and jumping on, but they've, they've got, I think, 31 points in their last 32 games or something. That's relegation form. That's not good, mate. Yeah, it's not good. Mate, I, I'm, I'm going to tick the box which says Michael puts himself over. I did talk about Watford. Yeah, you did, mate. Again, you, mate. You did. I ain't seeing it, bruv. I ain't seeing it. Sweet finish from Gray, but... This is a big game for Bruce because he needs to get a bit of pressure off... Um, you know, he's done that by going away to Spurs and picking up a result that, you know, ultimately wasn't really expected. But now they're going to play against a team that they should be picking up a result against at home, against a team that haven't won this year. So These are the tests for, for Newcastle. I'm, I'm going to go Newcastle Relegation well for, six-pointer. It's only the fourth week, but this, this, this. Oh, you're right. Because the thing is, is, it's one thing going to Tottenham and somehow scabbing a victory and then kind of coming out and claiming that you set up tactically to do that. Uh, basically, you relied on uh, poor finishing and a referee not, well. <laughs> and not calling uh, a, a foul a foul. Uh, Watford, on the other hand, like I say, they say, they look dreadful. We did touch on them, obviously, leading into the season. Their, their signings were questionable at best. Uh, they didn't seem to really kind of address the fact that they need to go in a different way. They... The end of season form last year was alarm bells ringing and it doesn't seem that they took any notice to those alarm bells at all because they got to an FA Cup final. This is massive for both teams because if Bruce wins this, it's a big, big thing because beating Tom, like I said, one thing, winning at home against Watford in the game where it's going to be a lot tougher uh, to kind of go out there and be the team that has to kind of take the game to Watford. Um, Hopefully this is where we see some of that glorious... Was his name Saint Maxina or whatever? The no, he Maxine. went off injured, mate. Oh, don't he say went this off to injured. me. No. Yeah. No. He, uh, who was it? Uh, Atsu came on and obviously created. created. Yeah, oh, he did. Oh, so, no. Um, I, I'm having a Newcastle. I win. think Newcastle are winning, and I think Gracia has gone um, imminently because I loses. do not believe that the owners of Watford have patience. No, I think they've proven de- in the past. They've demonstrated that before. Who do you reckon's right? going to come um, in? Whoever they're like, they've got a sister club or another own, you know, their own. Is it Girona or something like that? that Udinese, isn't it? Is there? They've got got two or three. So I'm quite sure. Whoever's manager there is is going to be the new manager. Bring him in. I'm quite sure that we've never heard of them. So let's let's push on. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, okay, so we've got the next game: West Ham versus Norwich. This is another three o'clock kickoff. West Ham won their first game of the season. Oh look, Mark Noble side. You said, yeah, you said that there's a boy uh, uh, you, the uh, in your office that speaks quite highly of the young man. And yeah, he's a West Ham fan, old Jimmy V, and he loves. Yeah, well, uh, you know, he, he doesn't he, say he, he loves should. Noble, but he does talk. He says Noble is a good player to have in that team. And you know, from what I saw, I only saw the highlights of this game, but West Ham looked pretty happy. Yeah, he should be excited um, with the, the new guy up front, uh, Sebastian Haller. Yeah. Haller. Took his goals very well. Good movement for the first. And then... Um, overhead kick. An overhead kick, you know, quite close. But, you know, again, still had to put it in the net, you know, from obviously being in an overkick position. So, uh, yeah, for, for me, that's, that's 
it's a good sign for West Ham because they they always lack a, a clinical goal scorer. And maybe we could, obviously it is a bit early, but you know, two goals that will that will help them massively. Absolutely, um, and they're facing Norwich. It'll be a good game. This this could be a night. This could be a good this game. Be go- there will be goals. Be goals. Uh, and because of that, I'm going score draw. Uh, West Ham. I'll go West Ham. I think West Ham will score more than Norwich. Yeah. I'm I'm banking on some pokey magic, mate. Pokey will score. Yeah, okay, we've got half five kickoff now on Saturday. Burnley versus Liverpool. Um, yeah, talk about the goal that Burnley player scored. Ashley Barnes, mate. Barnes. Sweet hit. Very I did sweet. see this one. Sweet hit. Ashley Barnes is having himself a season. He got 12 goals last year as well, and most of them were in the back of the second half of the season. He's, he's, a, he's a striker in form. So Peter Crouch was on Match of the Day, and he said that, on uh, Match of the Day too, and he said that uh, Barnes... He's lethal. He, he's, he does this kind of stuff in training all the time. He's a great, great finisher. I don't care. He's never going in my fantasy football team. Yeah. All right? Ain't happening. No. You play for Burnley, mate. Yeah? You play for Burnley. They had a feature on Match of the Day where Crouch talked for about five or ten minutes about how Burnley have been unfairly tagged with the long ball uh, you know, uh, name. And um, every clip they highlighted was of them playing a long fucking ball. I ain't having it. I ain't having it. They're placing Liverpool... Half five. Liverpool. Liverpool winning. winning this game. Yeah, it, 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 they might not get everything their own way. Um, it'll be interesting to see because Liverpool were really good at the weekend for what it's worth. Uh, but Alisson, it, it, they need that goalkeeper back ASAP. When is he back? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I saw there was an update that suggested it wasn't too far away um, because Adrian is he's just a car wrecking goal, isn't he? Mate, mate, for me, the Salah's goal where he mugged Louise, oh. I know we talked about it earlier, but, you know, we, t- we spoke the other, the other week on this show about how good Salah actually is. And I tell you what, I tell you what, that was fucking world class. But what is world class? Well, there you go. <laughs> no, but that's, that's another time. That's but another no, time. it was a very good goal. Very good goal. But yeah, I would suggest Liverpool win. Yeah, I think Liverpool. On to Sunday. Now we've got the return of the boys in blue, the, the bitter toffees themselves. <laughs> Everton hosting Wolves. One bitter toffee here, mate. One bitter toffee here. Mate, the, the, the good thing for us is that Wolves are playing again in the Europa League. They're playing the second leg against Torino, which helps us out massively because otherwise I would definitely have this as a Wolves win. Um, but instead I'm going to go for a draw. Uh, and that's probably me being a bit kind or, tr- you know, what's the word, biasing towards uh, Everton because uh, I've not really seen too much that would suggest that we're going to beat Wolves. Uh, so I think draw is the best thing we can hope for. A draw for me as well, son. Yeah, um, coming off the Europa League games isn't helping Wolves at the moment, is it? They seem to be drawing a few. Um, so They looked shanked against Burnley, mate. It's only really at the limit I, of the game. That I've got a sneaky feeling that Everton at home could nick this. Um, it wouldn't surprise me, but I'll go with a draw. Who's scoring it? Yeah, <laughs> If Moise Keane starts, mate, then yeah, then maybe I could go and get on board with it. Fuck it, I'm going Everton win. No, I'm still sticking with a draw. Draw Woods or Everton win? Oh, I feel I could have my arm twisted on this one. Yeah, give me Everton, you know. Give me Everton. Yeah. Tired legs versus Moyes Keane. A lot of eggs in uh, Moyes Keane's basket at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, it hasn't paid off for fantasy football, mate. And then... Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so I had Kane as captain. Oh, oh my God. Out, I forgot to do my team, so I had Sterling as captain still. I properly dodged oh, a bullet on that bitch. one. God damn. <laughs> Then we've got the big game, Arsenal versus Spurs. We've, already, we've obviously already spoken about it a fair amount on the show today. So give me your W, your L or your D. Draw. 
Score draw. Arsenal. Fucking hell, are you serious? I'm, yeah. ha- I'm having Spurs. Wow. Oh. The only thing that's in my mind is that David Lewis is trying to defend against Son again. <laughs> yeah. I think Arsenal front line have got too much for that defence. I think both. And likewise. I think, I think you're looking at both <laughs> ends. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be fascinating. You know, in terms of the midfield battle, it could be quite interesting as well uh, within Dombele, um, Le Soso and Eriksen going up against um, Celebos, Xhaka and... Uh, maybe Terreris. If the game's won in there, I fancy Spurs to edge that. But I think a draw. Winners and chumps time. I will go first and I'll give you my winner. David Silva, 400th game. Had a hand in everything. Magnificent. Great head of hair as well. Fair enough. I've got Ben Stokes, but that's not really football, <laughs> is it? So I, I don't know if I can have him in. So my, my actual footballer uh, winner is Tammy Abrahams. I thought he took both of his goals really, really well. Clinical, uh, good movement for the second. Um, yeah, and I, I, I like the celebration. You know, I'm sure you enjoyed it, Woods, you know, running over to Lampard. I thought that was nice. And he spoke very well afterwards. He after did the game well. as well. Yeah. So, fair play. And uh, not as your rude in sight, celebrating. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't happy, was he? Uh, I would have gone with Tammy, but seeing as you have, I'll go with Frank. Um, he needed that win. It was very important to... I kind of feel you come out of there with a draw and it starts to look a little bit like, oh dear, two points from three games. Uh, but as it is four points from, from three games, it, as you said, Mikey, basically the rest of the league is on that point total at the moment. So um, it was what they've deserved. They've, they've, they, they've played well in spells, um, but finally to get the W, hopefully that'll push them on from my perspective. And then straight back to you, Woods, give me a loser. Um, yeah, uh, I'm going to... Trying to think of, of it. you know, it's VAR, isn't it? You know what? Fuck this. I was going. I, wanted, I was going to go Tottenham, um, but I'm going to go VAR because basically, what's the point? What's the point in VAR if it's not going to do anything? No, I, I agree. I mean, I've got David Luiz down here. Oh no, I should have gone with David Luiz. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> but no, you, you are right, Woods, because you know I feel like every week we're going to have a VAR section and we're going to be talking about this every week until you know the, the penny drops and they finally you know lower this bar. So yeah, yeah, I'm going to go with VAR. Well, I was going to have Jesse Lingard because I'll never take an opportunity to you know not have him. stick the knife in. <laughs> but yeah, it kind of it has to be Jesse Lingard. I saw links with you and Madison, <laughs> and I can't think of a better player to come into Manchester United than, than James Madison. I think he suits that team perfectly. It'd be it will cost a fuck ton of money, bearing in mind you turfed over £85 million pounds for uh, their centre-half, uh, let alone their crown of fucking jewel. Uh, that's going to cost a hefty penny, uh, but... Who? It's not mine. Exactly. Okay. Just reach into those pockets and... and hand over the 150 million or whatever it will cost to just get him in get him in January why wait can we have, we have it can we have Tillemans and then Diddy just, as well? and just go and you can have like the rest of these players <laughs> send Lingard with them it'll be fine yeah. it be fine Smalling and Jones yeah, yeah just get rid of them all but yeah Lee's mopping his brow with a towel at the moment and which is a good signal there for you to wrap up <laughs> the old signal to wrap up now we don't have theme music again as you may have seen right we're getting it made. Just trust me on this one. Um, so Lee's going to hum us out again. <laughs> and what tune am I humming out? Glory, glory, Man United. 
Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.